Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Times are tough for Republicans these days, independents, patriots, all who thought but perhaps didn't entirely believe that a great big red wave would sweep Republicans to victory and return the Senate and House to a Republican majority, a clear majority. It is now clear that that isn't going to happen. In fact, there was nothing approaching a big red wave, not even a red wave, no wave at all. While votes are still being counted in Nevada and Arizona, and maybe for weeks to come, the Republicans sound like they're monumentally naive, talking about vote dumps, smeared ballots, lost ballots, and what a mess, they complain. But not a surprise mess, or at least it shouldn't be. Republicans got handled in 2020 as well. They should have known better this time, but were beguiled by some of the pollsters whose polls showed, for example, Carrie Lake and the Arizona governor's race with a double-digit lead. She's behind her opponent, Democrat Katie Hobbs, right now, She says she's still confident she'll win. We all hope she does. But Katie Hobbs is, after all, in charge of the Arizona election. She's the Secretary of State, for crying out loud. And I'm not sure that Lake's optimism will be rewarded this time. And no, I'm not an election denier, as the Marxist Dems like to call those of us who question election results. I don't know anyone who denies elections. Obviously, we had elections. It's the Dems who are the deniers. They deny, they continue to deny, the elections are crooked. They're crooked deniers. They're the deniers. And frankly, I think the rest of us have played the roles of dupes in our elections for some time. But certainly the last two elections have pitted the Democrat deniers against the Republican dupes. There it is. So we still at least have a shot at winning back the House. We have a narrow advantage at this point. With 19 more races to be decided, the GOP has 212 seats. Democrats with 204. The GOP needs another six seats to win control. The Democrats need another 14 seats. But after what we've already witnessed, who wants to bet on the outcome? I'll just cross my fingers and hope. But one of my hopes is that after the Republican performance and this election, I truly and firmly believe the Republican Party rank and file must demand that party leaders resign. I mean, Ronna McDaniel, RNC chair, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. They failed. They failed in this election. They've got to go. And they've got to make way for smarter, more energetic, talented leaders who represent the modern party. A party dedicated to our middle class, to our families, parental rights, 
to all who are working, aspiring to be middle class, to live the American dream, the party that puts America first in every way. Our guest today is one of the Republican Party's foremost strategists and pollsters, and we talked the day after the election about the red wave that wasn't and the responsibility of Republican Party leaders. John McLaughlin, founder of the McLaughlin Group. John, what do you see here amidst the overall disappointment for Republicans in this election? In terms of we're going to have the House, but not at the margins that we want to have. One of the big takeaways from the 2020 race that the Republicans have not learned is the Republican ground game is an anachronism. And we wait for election day to win the race, and the Democrats are racking up uh, huge margins that were forced to play catch-up in most of these states. So when you look at Pennsylvania and you realize they have the same election law from 2020 called Act 77 that allows them to bank votes absentee through ballot harvesting, and then Oz goes into that race where before he even debates Fetterman, He's down uh, a ratio of three to one in absentee ballots. So uh, uh, so you've got a serious problem where you're already losing the race by hundreds of thousands of votes, and you're trying to make it all up on Election Day. And that went on in other states as well, where you have, uh, uh, where you have like, uh, in, in Arizona, the Democrats have banked votes. Uh, certainly went on in Georgia with Herschel Walker, although this time it was more honest because if you voted uh, absentee or if you voted in person, you needed voter ID to prove that. And the drop boxes, the unsecured drop boxes, they got rid of. So, uh, uh, so, so you're in a situation where, okay, the ballot harvesting has stopped, and I'm sure by the way, I'm, I'm sure if that law wasn't changed, Warnock would have won without a runoff. Uh, but now they're headed for a runoff. And, uh, you know, so we've got to think, you know, tactically like the Democrats do. They don't have election day. They have election month. They come in and they're banking votes and the Republicans are playing catch up the whole time. So we've got to fix that. And that's certainly what happened. A big reason what happened in Pennsylvania. The second thing is when you have primaries, the Democrats automatically, when their primary is over, they come together. Republicans, we still fight. They're, you know, when you hear the talk about the quality of the candidates, uh, you know, that Donald Trump endorsed, it's a euphemism for, oh, it's a Trump candidate. We don't want to support them. I mean, Mike Lee got a primary, not a primary, got a general election opponent in Utah. Right. And Herschel Walker, they're saying all oh, the quality of the candidate. Well, you should be talking up that candidate the way they talk up, you know, their own candidates. And, uh, you know, you look at they put money into we're putting money into a race in Alaska. Uh, Murkowski against Shabaka, where they're both Republicans, but the, the national leadership is spending money there. And, you know, they spent money in primaries to defeat candidates. And then they're still running them down after the primary. So Republicans. We still fight after our primaries going into election day. The Democrats have united against us. And uh, um, and certainly, you know, as far as messages go, uh, we still have to figure out how to how to attract Democrats, particularly in states where there's Democrat registration advantages to come over to our side and, and realize that, hey, inflation, crime, uh, 
the the crisis at the border. We need to get attract voters so that they can't the Democrats can't you know unite unite enough of their party so that they win on messages like threats to democracy and abortion uh, because you know it, it just it it we we still need to take some of their votes. We have to win independence decisively, and we have to take some of their votes. And you only get that with with uh, messages. John, as as I as I listened here uh, to you and, and the audience, I hear a clear call for a change of leadership in the Republican Party apparatus, whether it be at the Republican National Committee, uh, whether it be uh, on Capitol Hill. Uh, they the leadership of the Republican Party has failed again. Uh, and I don't care what the margin is at the end, frankly, now. Uh, it is not the margin that uh, Republicans should ach have achieved, given uh, hyperinflation, given an economy that is in distress, uh, millions of Americans who are in financial distress. Uh, a, a, a This is just an incredible moment to me to see that this midterm election was not a referendum on the Democratic Party uh, and its leadership in the White House, uh, throughout the federal government, uh, in both houses, uh, and, and by the way, in state houses as well. Uh, it's incredible that the leadership is so weak, so intellectually puny, that they cannot contend in a real dogfight and a seriously important uh, fight that uh, should have been, I think, overwhelming in favor of Republicans. Your thoughts? Well, I, I can certainly talk tactics and strategy, but as far as a leadership fight, that's going to be up to the senators and members of Congress that get elected, and they'll decide that. But I tell you, the one thing that started is the Republican primary for president has started. And Donald Trump has not announced. He's announced that he's going to announce. And I think a lot of this uh, we'll focus on that in terms of, you know, the Republican base. President Trump is still very popular, uh, but unfortunately, there's still a lot of, uh, uh, you know, rhinos that want to that don't want him to come back, even in spite of the success of his presidency and spite of the success of his policies. I think we're going to see. Uh, uh, I think we're going to see a situation where uh, those kind of, that will play out just like it did with Ronald Reagan back in. When you look from 76 to 80, um, you know, there was uh, uh, there was challenges to Ronald Reagan where some people I remember they were saying Phil Crane is the younger version, the better looking version. And Ronald Reagan had to after he lost the Iowa caucus, he had to come back and win the New Hampshire primary to prove that his message was right. So now you're going to see, you know, everybody's expecting Donald Trump to run for president again. And uh Certainly, I believe he would beat Joe Biden decisively, but there's going to be primaries and there's going to be a challenge in the nomination contest. And it's a gauntlet. It's not a quick sprint. You're going to have a, the first contest won't happen until uh, the Iowa caucus in 2024. But all during the year, you're going to have a gauntlet where people are saying, uh, you know, is it going to be Trump? Is it going to be DeSantis? Is it going to be somebody else? And, uh, you know, that's that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the contest and the focus within the party right now. Okay, I I take it you don't want to talk about. <laughs> well, I, I internecine and understandably internecine battles as it were, but the fact is, that the about Republican, 
one thing I'll say what's going on with the leadership, I think as far as the Senate goes, if if Herschel Walker ends up in a runoff and we don't win that seat, that's that's certainly a signal that there's got to be a change. I mean, there's there's and there's got to be a change, not just of tactics about how you get out the early vote before that December 6th uh, runoff election, uh, not just the messages that we're running on, but certainly, um, you know, what are we doing to put Raphael Warnock and Chuck Schumer uh, on the defense? I mean, they're going to put us on the defense. So, so there's, so that I think, again, it's like deja vu all over again. Here we woke it up and it's Groundhog Day. We are going to have a runoff in Georgia for U.S. Senate. And, exactly. And, exactly. And the leadership should stake, uh, you know, it's going it, to, because it's going to matter. They should stake their claim to leadership on success in that race. Yeah. I, I think, if I may say it, I think that there is more proximate evidence uh, that a, a change in leadership is critically necessary to the fortunes of the Republican Party. And that is Ronald McDaniel once again bragged about the ground game, about the engagement of uh, volunteers uh, and attorneys across the country. They didn't show up anywhere, not a single place do I know of where there was a confrontation between Republicans and the Democrats over the conduct of the election. Not in Arizona, not in Pennsylvania, not in Wisconsin. This is a, this is an absurdity. Uh, it is a fiction. Leadership is a fictional word for the Republican Party right now. And, and it takes us back to the loss of uh, <laughs> when good old Mitt Romney and uh, his, uh, his, his idiot associate, Paul Ryan, lost in, in 2012. Uh, we, we had, we had uh, gurus walking around saying they're absolutely going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. They did an autopsy, as Reince Priebus, then the chair of the RNC, uh, called it. And an autopsy was exactly the correct language. He didn't use correct language before that, but he, he had that one right. And the fact is, it was the same failure. The inability to connect with state and local organizations, the inability to be anything more than a fat, overblown fundraising operation that is uh, fraudulent when it comes to uh, the the role of party leadership it's got ronna mcdaniel has got to go for god's sakes how many elections can she lose and still be listened to she's out in, in the front of the press with her hair just perfectly coiffed i believe is the word uh and uh you know talking to some uh you know uh, <laughs> uh some clever anchor on cable news and making no sense at all no sense what are we to do here? Should should the troops just keep marching blindly ahead with the same uh, mediocrities at the at the helm? Well, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see the the grassroots and the uh, and the donors, um, and I'm not talking about the inside the Beltway corporate donors. They're they're in a different class, and they're they're oftentimes they're too close to the Democrats. But the grassroots people that actually give to the Republican Party, they're going to wait and see because this is, you know, there's a big question about, um, you know, precisely of like, why are we giving to the Republican National Committee if we're getting beat? I mean, this is like we're starting a football game 
and we're already losing <laughs> before the half by hundreds of thousands of votes in a lot of contests. And we can't we can't do that anymore. By the way, Florida, I mean, you know, going back to when I worked for Jeb Bush after the 2000 election, I worked in his reelection in 2002. I mean, he was a great governor, but they fixed the election law. So Republicans have it down to a science in and Susie Wiles, who works for President Trump, they have it down to a science where, OK, this is how many early absentees we're going to put in. This is how many uh, we know who votes early in person. We're going to get our troops out to vote early in person. And then we're going to win on Election Day. And the places where Nassau County, New York, the Republicans there picked up two congressional seats, picked up three state Senate seats. Uh, they delivered 55% of the vote in a county that has 8% more Democrats. They delivered 55% of the vote for uh, Lee Zeldin because the chairman out there, Joe Cairo, engages in absentee ballots and, and runs even with the Democrats in the early in-person voting. And then they beat them on election day, just like they do in Florida. But the national committee... We don't see that big emphasis on we need to win the absentees. We need to win the early in-person voting. We need to win on Election Day. And, uh, you know, that I, you know, I don't like to go into a into a contest where we haven't played the first quarter and all of a sudden we're down, you know, 30, 40 points and you're playing catch up to win the game. So uh, exactly. uh, and that that happened across the board. Yes, uh, and and the next, you know, and, and two things disturb me, and I will be straightforward about it uh, initially going into this, and that is that Ronna McDaniel was still at the RNC and was talking confidently. Uh, I know by personal experience that her, her remarks about either confident or otherwise are not reliable, and the next was the return of of the uh, rather uh, outsized figure of Brad Parscale, who. I, I mean, what is going on with these defeated characters uh, is still in place. If, if there is no penalty except for our president, only, only President Trump gets to pay the penalty yeah. uh, and, a, and a handful of candidates without any change. Uh, it's it, it just can't go on. There has yeah. to be consequence for failure. And those two figures and then we'll leave it. But those two figures uh, have got to be replaced by the way one, I, I, more, one more comment i want to make louis i just got you know i just got back from well i was during the summer i was commuting back and forth to israel because they called an election earlier in the year i worked in hungary right and and during this election some of prime minister orban's leadership political leadership team was in the united states to observe the election specifically they went to pennsylvania they went to trump rally they also uh, uh day before election and election day were in new york observing the governor's election and when i explained to them the problem in pennsylvania and i wasn't working direct in the oz campaign about the mail-in ballots the absentee ballots and about they were mailing absentees to people that they don't have ids for and that they could take absentees in the week after the election and uh, in New York state that they don't require voter ID and that the unions and the Democrats get out the vote. And we, we have no way of stopping people because you don't have voter ID uh, and it's a signature verification. Uh, but when I explained that to them, the Hungarians told me this is like 1947 when the communists won the election. And, 
they they you know they 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 stuffed the ballots with ballots that they didn't know were legitimate. And in Israel, I was working for Prime Minister Netanyahu over there. Um and and in Israel, everybody had you have to vote in person, it's one day, and you have to show up with voter ID and that's it. And it's a paper ballot that they're gonna count so that they have a record of it. And the, the Europeans, most Europeans, when I talk to them, they can't believe that in America, um, you have a system where voter ID is not required in all the states, and there, there's all these possibilities for fraud. Um, and they just find that incredible that America is this country that's supposed to be the, you know, the the great honest democracy, and there's doubts. And uh, um, you know, so it's it's to me, it's like. You know, we're, you know, we're, we've got to change our tactics, but we really do have to step up to fight for election integrity because Democrats are going to come back with more election laws where, like in New York, they tried to allow non-citizens to vote. Illegal immigrants would be voting in New York, in the city, if if that hadn't been overturned in court. And the RNC did fight that. They were successful, but there were local Republicans and the conservative party in New York fighting that as well. And, uh, you know, we were successful. And by the way, if we gain a majority, which we will we'll gain a majority in, in the House, but a lot of those gains were based on Florida, where the governor down there decided to redo the redistricting so he gained more seats and they picked up, it looks like, four seats there. And in New York, where we challenged the law uh, based on the fact that they threw out the redistricting commission, and uh, uh, the Conservative Party, the Republican Party, Ronald Lauder, they challenged this law. And it appears we picked up seats in New York because we threw out the Democrat gerrymandering. And instead of losing seats, we picked up uh, probably four congressional seats in New York. So eight seats out of whatever gains Kevin McCarthy has came out of those two states based on people fighting back at the grassroots level. Yeah, and... Kevin McCarthy uh, is neither strategist nor tactician, and yet uh, presses on. Uh, Mitch McConnell, let's be straightforward. I mean, he took on candidates, uh, whether it was in New Hampshire, uh, he, Arizona. He decided he was, he was going to actually uh, fight them and not fund them. Uh, it, it, this is the behavior of a, a petulant uh, tyrant, not a majority leader. Uh, it, it's un, it, it's unworthy of the Republican Party. Uh, either that, or the Republican Party is just demonstrating election after election that it no longer has uh, the 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 vigor uh, and the and the motivation uh, to prevail. And if that's the case, why don't we just start all over? Because this is uh, this is idiocy to continue this uh, this the, the these theatrics. Where you have a majority leader and you have a minority leader, you have a—I mean, come on, uh, these people are nothing more than take—they're they're mouth breathers and they're taking up space, John. Well, I think uh, the, the focus of the voters is going to be on the on the on the presidential primaries. I mean, we're a year out, but you know they're they're already lining up, and if President Trump gets in, he will be the favorite, and then we will see that we will see what will happen when when. Uh, uh, you know, basically the swamp and, and the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the anachronistic leaders in the party decide to take him on. And, and we'll have 
a lively primary just and i said you know i'm i'm an old man in this in this uh in this, right. in this uh, uh trade but for those of us who remember ronald reagan when he he had to win the he had to win the primaries in 1980 i mean we're going to see the same kind of gauntlet now and, th and there were lots of candidates that went into that primary you had john anderson you, you had phil crane i mean phil crane was going to be the young version of ronald reagan and that just fizzled out john connelly i mean and george george hw bush ended up winning iowa uh that that uh after that win uh uh you know president reagan had to or then ronald reagan had to come back and win new hampshire and, and recapture the nomination so john they, anderson john anderson ross perot i mean the the day of the truly effective uh or destructive third-party candidate uh, it, those are those were good times uh, also frustrating times for the republican party i i, I let, let's let's go to just a couple of other things biden's low approval here's a man who drew more votes in his basement than barack obama did uh going coast to coast and uh working like heck on the campaign hustings uh his his low approval rating lower than that Obama's. Uh, meanwhile, he has the best midterm election return record uh, of his own party members. Uh, he he lost fewer people uh, if it, than any other president in the midterm right now. What do you think? Well, uh, you know, as is he is he lucky or is he just sort of a uh, is he one of those uh, idiot savants? No, as a as a by the way, as a, as a matter of personal. Uh, uh, you know, uh, my work, I, I'm, I'm happy he's still around because uh, President Trump will beat him in the next election. But uh, uh, but in the meantime, uh, you know, what's amazing is you've got a president that they disapprove. They think the country's on the wrong track. They think we're in a recession. They think the economy is getting worse, not better. And they're able to survive because the media and them are carrying a message where they're uh, uh, worried about threats to democracy, of which they should look in the mirrors. And then uh, also, the, you know, abortion and other issues. But the economy is going to get worse, not better. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to blame it on a Republican majority in the in the House or the Senate. But, you know, him depleting the strategic oil reserves to keep price of gas, you know, only double what it was when President Trump was president. Uh, them, you know, it's not going to help inflation at supermarkets with food, et cetera. So, um you know, the Republicans better get a message together and an economic program together to fix this, because if they don't, uh, the country is going to really suffer. So uh, uh, so well, how, how can the country suffer more, really? I mean, we don't have a southern border. We have Central and South America sending as many people uh, to the United States as they wish at the invitation of Joe Biden and his administration. Uh, we are right now. Our White House is operating as a subsidiary of uh, the CCP Incorporated. Uh, it is doing absolutely nothing uh, to, to, uh, to blunt the initiatives of China. It is turning over oil from the strategic petroleum reserves that on one hand, Joe Biden says he's doing so that he could benefit consumers. And I think, by the way, there are a significant group of Americans dumb enough to actually believe that. When in point of fact, uh, he's diverting oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, a national security breach of the highest order, to put in the hands of Chinese communist-connected uh, companies. 
it's outrageous. Oh, by the way, and those company those companies were clients of Hunter Biden and the big guy. Right. And and by the way, you can still go find there's Russian oligarchs that had Biden on the payroll or the Biden family on the payroll, and they didn't get sanctioned by the Biden administration. Right. So, so you know but so, and, we're, we're, so but we've got Mitch McConnell with a little conflict too. Yeah, but you know what? Go back, go back a second. You know, the Republicans, they're gonna be the 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 swamp, the inside the beltway experts will tell McCarthy and tell McConnell, oh, you don't want to open up those hearings on Biden. Because if you start doing those hearings, it'll be divisive. It'll make, you know, it'll, it'll keep us apart. We won't be able to do business in Washington. I mean, we really need to have hearings on the corruption that's gone on because middle America is suffering because of it. And by the way, one other thing, you, I mean, I still believe if Donald Trump was president, Putin would have never gone into Ukraine. And I still believe he's there, you know, prosecuting that war precisely because Biden is too weak to to stop him from uh, uh, to to stop him from, you know, you know, killing thousands of Ukrainians all the time, because this is just I mean, that war is 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 just terrible because it it just shows how corrupt uh, what corruption leads to and weakness leads to. And it. You know, I guess the surrender of Afghanistan gave Putin a signal that it's okay. He can go into Ukraine and just kill people and take what he wants. But he never would have done that if Donald Trump was president. So, you know, you're talking about the American economy. I'm talking about the American economy. I mean, there is a very, very dangerous situation uh, with Putin and what's going on with our NATO and our allies there. And I don't think Joe Biden's capable of stopping it. And, you know, so there's real there, there, there's really dangerous issues out there that, um, you know, the American people are going to have to take a hard look at and say, what do we need to do? What do we need to do to keep peace in the world? Because there is no Pax Americana in the world right now. And that's the first time since World War II that that's happened. Well, and you're exactly right, I believe, in your analysis. I I also want to add that for the first time, we have apparently discussions going on with the Russian government at a lower level than Secretary of State or Foreign Minister, but nonetheless going on about the withdrawal of, U, uh, of Russian forces at the behest of the U.S. government. Uh, that's a breakthrough because this government, this president, was actually encouraging uh, Zelensky to continue the fight in what is now an almost nine-month-long war that has devastated, devastated Ukraine. Yes, and it's fueled. By the way, what's worse than that, it's wrecking the European economies. I mean, they're going to have austerity measures in place where you can't raise up the temperature in buildings. You're going to have to cut back on manufacturing. After Christmas, they're going to close like gyms and public facilities because they don't have the oil and gas. And but they're idiotic. I mean, let's be really honest. The Europeans are moronic. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. Donald Trump explained to Angela Merkel, if you buy all of that natural gas from Russia, you will be utterly dependent upon Russia for your heating. Uh, yep. It's just amazing. The stupidity of it. And by the way, you know what? The stupidity that we can add to that is the stupidity of the American people tolerating Biden sending 
billions and billions by the tens of billions into Ukraine to do what? To fight a slow victory for Vladimir Putin. Yes. Uh, and, and the blood that has been spilled, the lives that have been lost because this administration didn't have the fortitude to say to Putin, there will be no invasion. That will not happen. That could have been Joe Biden. Uh, it could have been a moment in history for him. And instead, uh, he bowed uh, to the oligarchs uh, and to the moment. It's ridiculous. It's just sickening. But it is at least some some cold comfort that they're talking about, uh, you know, perhaps a, a full withdrawal. Let me ask you this. This red wave turned into a Republican bloodletting. What uh, what can you know, I, I don't know what the markets are going to do. I don't know what business is going to do. I think we are, as you say, we're in a very delicate moment uh, in terms of markets and economies, not only here, but around the world. But what are, should the Republican do? They refuse to talk about foreign policy uh, intelligently in a campaign. They refuse to acknowledge what is before their very face that this is a, a country right now where we have millions of people in pain because they've lost jobs, because they can't afford to pay uh, the monthly budget, whether it's for energy, for food, for shelter. Uh, and, and we pushed a lot of people inadvertently and mistakenly into the hands of the socialists, the Marxists on the left in the Democrat Party, the Marxist Dem Party. I, hell, they're socialists now because it's the only avenue they've they've got because they're watching Wall Street ship our money every day to China. They're letting them steal $600 billion in intellectual property. Uh, we're watching them build aircraft with our blueprints, uh, fighters. Uh, they're building ships with our blueprints. What the hell is the Republican Party going to do about it? When are so they I, going to get honest? I, I don't think it's going to be the Republican Party as an institution, sir. I think it's going to be the voters at the grassroots. You are going to see primaries starting to shape up for 2024. And what will happen is the primary voters will speak. Those those candidates that want to win the primaries, that will, that will take the positions you're talking about on the issues, will win the primaries. And then they will have the ability to win the election in 2024. But if you listen to the, if you just go along with the same old stuff, uh, you know, it's, you're not going to win elections. You have to create your own, your own position, your own brand, and you win elections. And, you know, it's, I mean, we, I was talking to you about the congressional races. We, we help candidates who won races in Florida, won races in New York and pick up seats and but they had their own messages and they aggressively went after the Democrats. So so it's you know, I, I have a great soon it's at the toughest times, I have a great faith in the wisdom of the American voters that they will they will do what they need to do at the right time. It's disappointing though that um you know, I, I, it's disappointing that we missed an opportunity to do more good in this in this election. So, you know, we can move on from there. And Republican governors, you know, did by and large, Republican governors did do well uh, in their reelection campaigns that were up this year. But the big the big prize for president is coming up in 2024. And the Republican primary voters are already engaged in it. They're already thinking of it. And we've just got to make sure that uh, we run on the issues with a strong, aggressive message. 
What happens in 2024 if you and I are wrong about a couple of things? It's unimaginable, I know, to both of us. Oh, but, by the way, I, I just read the polls. I go along with what the people are doing. It's like, well, and, if, I, and good pollster is an oxymoron these days. So, well, and, and media uh, media host uh, is probably suspect to begin with as well. But have we crossed a line here? Because it looks to me like there is a strong effort on the part of the left, uh, of the Marxist left. They have really pushed millions of people into voting for socialist Marxist policies that are emanating from the Biden administration and the cabal that manages this puppet president. Uh, they're woke. Corporate America has moved left along with the government uh, and the Democrat Party. Uh, and the Republicans are at sea saying, you just wait till next time and send me another $100 million here, please. We, we're going to need a little money for advertising. I mean, is that where we are, in your opinion, as we wrap up here? Uh, yes, and I think we have a, I think we have a problem also on the other fact that they're, that they're winning elections with other people's money, as as, you know, Margaret Thatcher used to say, where uh, uh, the socialists, Biden made a big play out of, you know, forgiving a lot of uh, student debt. He, he bought it. <laughs> he bought made it. a big play, and when you're saying people were losing their jobs. A lot of people are out of the workforce, haven't come back in since COVID because they're still getting government subsidies. They're getting free health care. They're getting uh, uh, food stamps. They're getting payments. Uh, they didn't have to pay their utility bills for a certain amount of time. So so the bad part going into 2024 is uh, you're going to see the Democrats come back with ideas like that. The good And, and by the way, we can talk about the markets, and you know more about this than I do, but the markets as we speak are going down now. We could be going back into this kind of uh, gradual decline of the markets because Biden is still there. But the Republicans better stand on principle and better stop the spending and stop the inflation, because if they allow the Biden inflation to continue, they'll go down with it, too. And we'll be left with a socialist economy. So well, I'm going to I'm going to ask this audience uh, beginning today to communicate with their congressman. Uh, their senators, that'll be just for fun. Senators never listen to anybody, but uh, particularly to the House. And and tell them, you know, it's time to remove the leadership. Uh, and, and if you don't come up with an idea, and if we don't see you in the district, and if you're not working for us, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to absolutely obliterate you in the next election. Uh, and we're going to campaign vigorously against you. Because this is about what serves the American people. I, as you know, I'm a populist. I'm a conservative populist, but I'm a populist. And I mean, it's time for the middle class of this country to get serious, uh, working men and women and their families, and demand, demand what is their due, and that is respect uh, from their government uh, instead of an assault from it. it we're, that's where we are. And the Republican Party is playing the part of accomplice uh, in that assault. Because they, they are they're cowardly, uh, and they're absolutely bereft of original ideas, and that's why Donald Trump is still the only candidate that stands heads and shoulders above all other aspirants. Uh, you always get the last word on this show, and I'm going to turn to you now, if I may, uh, and John, and for your concluding thoughts. Boy, yeah. I'm sure they will be. 
going into this election, I was wondering whether it was going to be, and I hesitate to use the word wave, although I was optimistic that we would gain more seats. Sure. But we've got controls of, of the House. But I was worried that it could be a 2012 election like Romney had, where over the weekend, the Democrats, you know, uh, 2012, a week out, everybody thought Romney was going to be the next president, beat Obama. And over the weekend, Obama and his, his team went to work and they pulled out a majority on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday for uh, for his reelection. And uh, you're seeing you're seeing that again, where the Democrats, you know, doubled down and were able to save some senators, save some members of Congress that we should have beaten. And Republicans need to learn from it. So we need to do better in the next election. And uh, that's what we need to do. And we need to run on a clear contrast of issues and ideas. And the American people need to hear from us. And we got to fight through and make sure that happens. Well, well said as always, John. And we thank you for being with us to make us better understand uh, uh, this, uh, the past 24 hours in this country, as we all are licking our wounds <laughs> and uh, delving deeper into our individual philosophies as well as uh, party politics you always uh you always uh, educate we appreciate it so much john mclaughlin thanks for being with us here on the great america show god bless you thank you for the opportunity keep 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 getting keep getting the facts out and people will decide thank you everybody for being with us here tomorrow our guest will be tom bevan tom is the co-founder and executive editor of real clear politics please join us till then god bless you and may God bless America.